Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Episode 56 of the Mr. Money Jar Show. I really need a haircut at this stage. Um, we're going to be joined by Stephanie Taylor, the co-founder of rent to rent Success. And today she's going to be giving us an introduction to rent to rent and how she managed to turn it into a fully-fledged business. rent to rent is uh, what she does. She's an expert in it, and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot about it today and and hopefully hear a bit about her as well hello hi Hi, toby how are you doing i'm very good how are you yeah yeah really well really well it's been a lovely day here so yeah feeling good ready ready Um, for this whereabouts are you based i'm in wales it's uh not far from cardiff in newport okay awesome awesome um so I, I've got it before um, we get into your introductions and stuff. Yeah. I've just got to say, like, you and your sister, like, your pictures are on your website. Are you guys twins or do you just have incredibly strong genes in your, <laughs> in your family? We're not twins, actually. And we, we actually don't look that much alike. Um, maybe we look more alike in our pictures. But um, oh, right. what people say is that they mistake us for each other sometimes because our mannerisms are the same. We speak quite similar. Yes. The smiles are quite similar. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. But if you met us, you, you might be surprised that we it, it is quite easy um, to tell us apart. Although I'm contradicting myself there, saying people do confuse us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that that's cool. Um, that's because I saw the picture. I was like, wow, like <laughs> they really they really look alike. Um, cool. Well, please do introduce yourself to everyone and let us know a bit about what you do. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. I'm Stephanie Taylor and I invest in properties. We buy multi-unit blocks and also convert commercial properties from multi-unit blocks. And with my sister, Nikki, who you've already mentioned, we're co-founders of HMO Heaven, which is a property management business. And we also have Rent to Rent Success. And in Rent to Rent Success, we show people how to set up their own property management business and, you know, make money from properties that other people own in an ethical way. It's a, okay. it's a great way for people to get started in property. Like you, Tumi, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Rent to Rent Success podcast. And we've recently published a, a best-selling book, uh, that we're most proud of because it's got over 165 star reviews on Amazon, which uh, totally blows my mind. But yeah, so that's Can we see the book kind of hanging yes, out behind yes, you? Yes, I have got it uh, behind me, but uh, I, I still sort of have to, uh, I don't know what's the word when you have to, yeah, pinch yourself. But, you know, we've, we've published a book. Yeah, no, that, that's a fantastic achievement and um, there will be opportunities for you to, to plug it fully uh, towards the end of the episode, of course. So everyone's route into business is different. And what I am very interested to hear, and I'm sure the listeners will be interested to hear as well, is how did you get into the rent to rent business? In fact, let, let's even start at the super basic level. What is rent to rent? Yeah, great question. So a lot of people think that, you know, if they want to start in property, that they actually need a lot of money. And a lot of people know about buy-selects where you buy a property, maybe you need £50,000 for the deposit, which for buy-select mortgages tends to be about 25 to 30%. And so maybe you need about 50 grand to buy it, refurbish it, all the buying costs and so on. And then once you've got that property there and you've got the family moved in, your average sort of profit every month will be 200 or 300 pounds a month. So you need a lot of those 50,000 pounds to be able to replace the average income or to be able to start to generate. So that's why people think, oh, I need too much. But what you can do and what a lot of people don't know about and what I didn't know about is that you can also rent properties and still make that property cash flow. And that's what's called rent to rent. So you rent the property from the owner 
uh, you offer them a guaranteed rent, you manage the property, uh, you do the property up a little bit, uh, you rent the rooms out by the room, that's called, uh, well, what people know as a house share, people might know it as a student share, but you can do it for people who are working as well. And, you, sure. and then you only need to put in maybe a few hundred pounds, sometimes a few thousand pounds, but you can make every month somewhere, anywhere between 500 and well over a thousand pounds a month. So it's a great way for wow. people to get started, make that cash flow. And I'm sure we'll come on to this later. There's ways where you can actually buy properties as well without needing that huge deposit at the start. So that's something that we've just learned as, as we've been going along. Okay, that's a fantastic explanation. And why would the landlord agree to this then? Is it because they get the guaranteed income and then you're offering to basically be the steward for the property, make sure that the you know, that it has tenants or, or residents and uh, you're basically doing the management piece. Yeah, because some people don't want to be active investors. Maybe they bought yeah. a few properties and they don't really want to be engaged with it. They've maybe got other businesses or they're working full time or they've got a family. And if, if you can get that magic number where they're, they're meeting their requirements from the property, then they're happy for you to be able to make more on top. You're going to be putting more time into it and that's why you can make that extra money. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a phenomenal strategy. In your experience, is it more common to see rent to rent happen in uh, commercial or residential properties? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a commercial property strategy. Uh, it's very well known in commercial property. It's not called rent to rent, but it, it's typical for there to be subleases and for the, somebody to own a property and then lease it out to somebody else who may lease it out again. Um, but what, um, but it's come over into residential because residential landlords also want those protections because usually what the difference is is that on the on the commercial leases the person who's renting the property will also pay the bills and for maintaining the property. And when we do rent to rent, we take on paying the utility bills and some of the maintenance, not the big stuff, but we take on some of the maintenance as well. And so that's why it's really attractive to landlords. We're kind of like a letting agent, but supercharged, turbo powered. Yeah. So yeah. your letting agent wouldn't normally refurbish a property, but, but we will. Yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting. It's like this management piece, but it's almost like a, a step above. Um, yeah. That's really cool. So, yeah, so the follow-on question from that is, how did you get into it? Yeah, well, I was just minding my own business uh, entirely, working in financial services. And I felt that I kind of landed on my feet. I was a contractor. Um, like many people, you know, I was in a job that didn't really inspire me. There was quite a lot of stress and pressure. Um, but I would have probably stayed there forever because I did not know, I didn't really think that I could run my own business um, successfully. And, but what happened was my mum got ill and I, she called me one morning and I didn't really give her the time. You know, I was rushing her off the phone. I was thinking about my presentation and I, I, I didn't really give her the attention. She was almost apologizing for being on the phone. Uh, while I was trying to get ready for work and in the afternoon I was at my desk um, looking out over the harbour and I just thought oh that didn't go too badly my my presentation went well uh, you know that was that was good um, and then I just my mind immediately then went to mum and I thought oh do you know what it wouldn't matter if I wasn't here for the presentation because the bank would be fine without me but but my mum's not and what, what kind of daughter do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? If you asked me what, you know, what my priorities are, um, I, would, I would probably say uh, my family, but my actions are that my, my job's much more important. And, and so I just started to, it really gave me, it was just an ordinary everyday occurrence, but it really gave me a jolt. It really made me think, yeah. is this how you want to live the rest of your life? And at that time I was 45 and I just thought, do you know what, you've got to do whatever you do, you've got to do it now because time is passing. And I could just see time in the future where what if mum was sick or needed us and 
you know, I would like to be able to go over and just be there or for her to come here or I just don't want to be tied to the office. And I knew that was something to do with business. But as I say, I didn't really have the confidence to think that I could do that. But um, I, I thought on it because I, I felt quite pushed. Um, I got that fire in my belly. I just kept thinking I've got to do something. And uh, that's when property came to me because, you know, here in the UK, we all know somebody who accidentally started to become really um, much better off through property. And I, yeah. I thought it's something I could understand. That's very cool. Just a kind of side note. I mean, you refer to yourself being 45 in the past. So can we please pick up separately about your moisturizing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah. But uh, my, uh, my fiance, Jenny, uh, is, is watching. She's just said amazing story really resonates. I do think that you get to a point in your life when um, you're like, what really, what really matters to me? And how can I live in a more intentional way? Yeah. Um, yeah, it just sounds like that was that moment for you. And I think it's awesome that it, it birthed this business. Um, Enkiru says, <laughs> black don't crack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, will. I know, 45, my 31 project. We need the secrets. We do need the secrets. We may need to do a separate life. I've actually been um, this year, so. <laughs> oh, wow. A little bit of time's passed since then but yeah thank um, you thank you guys <laughs> awesome stuff. um okay and uh so you got business mm -hmm. that enables you to make quite substantial cash flows on a monthly um oh, and, and mappy mappy underscore t says you look amazing thank you thank you for showing uh, love to our to our guest Thanks. um yeah so you got a business model that enables you to make uh, rather substantial cash flows every month, uh, £500 to £1,000 a month, you've said, um, enables you to um, not have to put down a, a substantial deposit, yeah. um, from what you said. But then there's the additional component, component uh, which I'm interested to ask you about, which is that you, you, you can do it ethically. And I know that this is a central premise of your book. Yeah. Why this might be a bit of an obvious question, but why is it important to you that you can that you do this ethically as well? Yeah. Well, when I first started to find out about property and think, well, what what could I do in property? And obviously, there's lots of strategies where you need a lot of money, and I didn't really have the confidence to feel that I could use other people's money because that's that's a common strategy within property that you borrow money from yeah. private investors and so on and and go forward but because I was so clueless at this point I didn't really and I didn't have that confidence I think if you've got the confidence um that that's fine but I didn't and um oh dear I've got off on the tangent and forgot what the question was I know just uh, why why the ethical oh, the ethical and so when I was looking, I found out about the rent-to-rent -rent strategy, which is um, where, as I say, you rent the property, you look after them, and you, you make more money than you would do if you were just a normal letting agent, because you're prepared to put more time into it, put more money into it, and offer the landlord a guaranteed rent. Um, yes. So because of that because there's a low barrier to entry you can be profitable quickly it's got recurring revenue and you get the names and addresses of your perfect customers it's 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 a beautiful business model but because of the low barrier to entry then a lot of people go in and they're thinking how can i do this and put no time in no money in make as much money as possible and they're not really going into it with the right mindset so when i decided to start doing it you could see those people around and I just thought you know what we're going to do it in a way where it's a really is a win-win-win for everybody and uh, that's why we called it HMO heaven because we wanted it to be uh, a heavenly experience you know for the landlords who partner with us for other housemates who live with us for contractors we work with for our whole team um, you know as well as for ourselves and so that's why there's so many people in the property world. Uh, I suppose it's a bit like the financial world as well, um, who don't come from the right sort of heart. And it's fine to make money, but I think you need to deliver the service also, or deliver what you say you're oh. going to deliver, so that so that's a fair oh. exchange. 
Yeah. Of course. Um, and we've had a question which actually coincides with a question that I was going to ask um, next, which is from My31 Project. So we, um, we, we've talked about the business model and how it works and the importance of being ethical. My31 Project asks, how do you start your first project without much capital? So how, how do you get started? Yeah, well, there are lots of different ways and it's, it'll be similar to um, some of the things that you talk about to me. But the, the first thing that I say is that when people come to me, well, for example, I'll just give a quick example and I'll go into it a bit more. But Joseph, uh, he, he started, um, he's got an episode on the podcast, Joseph Daniels, and he'd just been made uh, redundant at the beginning of the lockdown. His wife was expecting a baby. He got started and he got four properties cash flowing, didn't have very much money. So there are so many stories um, in the podcast of people who do it without a lot of money. And but I'm just going to say now, you do need some money because it costs you some money to set up your business for all the essentials to get your business, you know, uh, insured and all of that sort of things. It's around £600 and we have got a breakdown of all of those things. But then you also need your first month's rent. Um, sometimes you need a deposit, not always. And if there's any refurbishment involved, you need that as well. However, not everybody starts off with thousands and thousands of pounds. Um, some people borrow money from family and friends. Some people take an overdraft. One, one couple who came onto the podcast, um, they, they used their bounce back loans. So when they first started, they did not know that they were gonna have bounce back loans. But they started, they found out about it. Because the other thing you can do is if you find a property and there's too much work needs to be done, the landlords won't pay and you don't want to pay. You can also sell that deal because there's lots of other people who might want the property if it's a good property, but it doesn't work for you. So yeah. I try to encourage people to get started. The one thing that I say that people must be in the situation of is that if you're currently in a bad financial position, say you've got bad credit, that, that's not necessarily a reason to stop you from starting a business, but you do need to ensure that you look at your situation you've got your money is like it, it's got a flow and you've got a bucket every month if you've got a salary your money is coming in and it's coming into your bucket it needs to at the end of all of your costs still have money in it uh so you've got to get yourself because sometimes when you've got bad credit things have gone wrong. Um, so you need to get back on track with things going right that you can afford to pay off um, your debt on whatever, um, in which, what, whatever way that you've agreed to do so, but that you have more money at the end of the month because then you've always got extra money coming in that you can save, that you can invest, that you can use towards your business. So that is, yeah. the, that is the basics. Once people have that in place, then they can move forward. That sounds like... Um kind of the, the basics that you want to have covered before you undertake any business or any investment, which is, um, yeah, sort, sort out your credit, pay off any high interest debt, make sure you have an emergency fund saved, make sure you have positive cash flow, and then you can put in that time and, and that resource into your business. Thanks for that question, uh, My31 Project. We've had another one um, from uh, Ebimori um, Inca, Babo, I hope I've pronounced that um, properly. Uh, probably haven't, apologies. Um, and it's what, what city is she invested in at the moment? Yeah. And what's her best strategy in getting um, properties so far? So where are you invested and what's your best strategy in getting properties? So we're in Newport in South Wales, it's near Cardiff. Uh, you can do this in cities all across the country. Uh, we do it on a house share basis. So you need to have locations where lots of people want to live. So those are areas where people want to work. Those are areas where there's good transport links. Um, so we've got people in the Kickstarter program who are in London, who are in Manchester, who are in Sheffield, um, all, different, all different areas. Um, how do we find the properties? Well, one of the ways we can find the properties is that each council has a list of all the HMO landlords in their area, so you can write letters to them. It's a bit old school, but it does work. Another way is that you can talk to letting agents because they have lots of properties coming to them. And what you want to say is you want to partner with them to say that, you want to partner with them to say that, you know, if you can pass any properties to me, you'll still get your commission paid as normal and I'll manage everything ongoing. So that's a win-win 
for you and the letting agent and the landlord. So, so letting agents is one, landlord letters is another. But obviously there's lots of online ways that you can find landlords on social media, with Facebook ads, on LinkedIn, uh, with direct messaging, seeing the properties that are available. And then you can go onto the property portals as well and contact landlords direct. This is awesome, awesome stuff. I hope um, everyone at home is benefiting from all this information. And there is, of course, um, Stephanie's Rent to Rent Success book, which I'm sure goes into a lot more detail uh, than we'll cover in this live. Uh, just a quick comment from Mortgage Mine. Sean, great to see you in the comments. Sean says, great rental yield in Newport. Yeah, um, it's, it's great. It is good. So uh, I guess that, that makes me... Um, oh, yeah, and by the way, for the people listening at home, um, if you have any questions shoot because we're here with uh, the uh, <laughs> so um you're based in uh, in wales yeah is the rent to rent um market a, a bit you know does it have any parallels with the btl or you know residential property market in the sense of it would be um harder to get started in london due to uh property and uh uh, rent being higher here or, or yeah one yeah so um this is something that people do ask me a lot and i think that wherever people are they say that oh it's difficult for us because so if people are in london they say oh it's difficult for us because the rents are higher and it's more competitive um but there are also more properties uh available for you and more options yes. and and more profitability and when they're outside of London, they say, oh, I wish I was in London because there's not so much opportunity here. But I think wherever you are, you can make it work as long as the location will work for a house share. And we have, for example, Brenda, I know, did her first property in London and made over a thousand pounds every month on her, on her very first property, which was in London. So I think there are people making it work all across the country and it is slightly different in different places and of the ways that I mentioned to find properties some of them will work better in some places than others I think agents are a great way in London um, but you know some people some people prefer letters some people prefer agents and then of course there's online as well awesome stuff and we have a follow-up question from Evan Mori um which I think is another good one. And it's, what is the maximum amount that uh, you can expect to invest in, in a property? Yeah, well, some people just say that they're not investing in refurbishing because I think it is fair enough to be able to say to the landlord, okay, I can rent this property. This would be the guaranteed rent I'd pay, but these sorts of things would need to be fixed first. That's the approach that they're used to from a traditional letting agent. And so some of the Kickstarters, they do say that and they're just not in a position to be able to pay. And uh, they prefer to do it that way. So if they meet properties whereby a lot of refurbishment is done and needs to be done and the landlord doesn't want to do it, then they won't take those properties on. What other people do is they will spend a few thousand pounds on it. But what they, there's different ways to structure it. And we talk about that. So, for example, if three thousand pounds needs spending, you could say to the landlord, OK, well, I will pay for, you know, recarpeting or painting or yep. new furniture, whatever's needed. And then I'll, I won't pay the rent for the first three months while that's repaying myself that money. Or over the period of the whole contract, I'll pay you a lower rent. So to reimburse myself over the whole contract for that money that it's I spent. Cool. Yeah. So, so there's lots of different ways to structure it to make it attractive for both you and the landlord. Because some of the properties, if the landlord won't invest, but your likely cash flow is going to be £800 a month or £1,200 a month or something like that. And it makes sense for you to actually want to want to invest. Very good. Um, and Real Talk Collective um, has said, uh, these are very helpful tips. Thank you. No, thank, thank you for tuning in. This is a, an awesome live so far. So a um, couple more questions then. So uh, we've talked about some of the startup costs and how you get into it. Once you have, um, you know, established yourself in this um, rent to rent almost uh, role, yeah. what are your ongoing obligations to the people who are using the property? 
seeing as the landlord was largely removed from, yes. from the proceedings? Yeah, so that's a great question. So some people worry, oh, I don't really want to do this because it's a job. Well, it, there is a time commitment to it. Um, so you have to look after the housemates, look after the house, um, make sure everything's good there. So some people do that themselves, especially for the first few properties. Um, but then after you've got a, more properties, let me sort of give you a ballpark. The average UK salary, according to the ONS in February last year, was £25,000 a year. And you can make the equivalent of that, you know, having two or three, between three and five uh, properties with, with rent to rent on average. And that way, it's going to take you sort of a few hours a month. But at the beginning, it'll be, it's more time consuming while you're getting everything set up, while you're getting everything agreed and negotiated. But people do do this on the side of a full-time job. So it really is a business. And it's, it's a nice business model in the fact of the way that it is low investment, um, the profits, it, it's profitable much sooner than a lot of businesses. Um, so some people view it as an entry strategy. So they might do this for three to five years and use those funds to then, you know, buy or invest in other things. Um, yeah. And other people view it as more of a long-term strategy like we did. And we employed a team to manage the properties ongoing so that we don't do the day-to-day -day now. Okay. And let's, uh, let's build upon what you've just said. So you can expect to make round about the average salary um, through, uh, you said, three to five properties. Yeah. How far can you scale this? Yeah. How, how many properties can someone expect to um, have on their portfolio using solely rent to rent? Yeah. And how much income might this bring in? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, that's enough for them, actually, because what, you know, those three to five properties, you know, 20, 20 25 grand a year, um, over five years, it's, you know, 100, 125 grand after all the costs of, of, of running everything. Um, so for, for a lot of people, that's actually enough to do what sure. they want to do. Uh, to have a bigger business, you have to have a bigger business. And for some people, they don't want a bigger business. They don't really want to manage a team. They don't want to look after this and that. So, but we grew ours, but some people do. And some of our students go on to build significant businesses. But approximately, so our revenue on just over 20 properties, just over 100 tenants, is £400,000 a year. And of that, I suppose most people who are running it just themselves on a smaller number will have a higher profit uh, on that. But we've obviously got office costs, we've got team costs, and so our yeah. profit is lower. Uh, but we choose that because we don't want to um, invest that time in those businesses because we've got other things that we do as well. Yeah, thank you for the transparency on the numbers. Um, I'm just going to dip into the comments. Uh, there's been a, a couple more um, just bits dropped in there. Um, this is quite an interesting one. It's again from my 31 project. And it's, did you find that people were moving out during the pandemic? Yeah. And did you still have to pay for rents or landlords? That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, great question. So yes, yeah, people did move out during the pandemic because we've got a lot of young professionals. So some of them were moving back home or they were you know, they didn't have their jobs, so they, or they just, just didn't need to be in Newport specifically, so they did move out. Um, but what happened was that the government did give a lot of help. And also, once it opened back up again, people did start moving again. And we've been surprised at the demand is still what it was. So it's people still want to live in shared accommodation, which I know doesn't seem like that would be true. But it is true. And um people do seem to still need to be in a specific place, like coming to Newport. So, so yeah. Thank you. Hope that answers your question, my 31 project. From uh, I'm Jay Reed. great stuff, Stephanie. Thanks very much. Um, and again from Ebimori, what's the type of contract between yourself and vendor and agents? Yeah. Um, and the break clause on them. Yeah, great question as well. So you can have two types of contracts. One is a management agreement. That's a typical type of agreement that you would have 
um, you know, with a traditional letting agent and, and a landlord, but you're going to have that either with the letting agent or with the landlord or a lease contract. You're only going to have a lease contract with the owner of the property. That gives you certain more protections because if anything happened to the landlord or the property was sold, your lease would still be in existence. Um, so you, your lease would still carry on with the new owner. Obviously, the owner might not want you or there might be other things that you would have to negotiate an exit, but that's why we prefer the lease. And you asked about the break clause. So could you break out of the contract if things were not yeah. going well? Or could the landlord break out of the contract? Well, we do a one-way break clause on our leases to say that we can break out if we give six months notice. Okay. Or it could be three months notice. It depends whatever we agree with the landlord. And the landlord will say, well, why don't I have the same? Well, the answer is because we need, we need to put people in there, look after them, etc. Sometimes we might be invested in the properties. So that's why we don't offer them the same. But what we say to them is, why would you want to stop? And the reason I would want to stop is if we don't pay the rent, if we don't look after the property, if we don't uphold our obligations, under the contract, then they're going to want their property back, but they can get their property back under all of those circumstances. And in actual fact, if they just said, you know, we would like our property back, we would negotiate with them. And depending on whether we've invested, we might negotiate that they repay some of that money, but we don't want to keep somebody's property if they don't want us to have it. So we're going to negotiate if, but so far that hasn't happened that any landlords have said, mm -hmm. um, we want our property back. We have had times where we've wanted to give a property back. And, um, you know, then we just have to negotiate with them when we give it back. But we do have that break clause within our contract that we can give notice and return the property uh, if we wanted to for any reason. Thank you. Um, cool. Is, uh, just sort out the tripod. Um, Wow, so the, <laughs> the questions are pouring in. Um, we'll try to come to, um, to all of them. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, by the way, for taking all of these. I think um, just the, the, the questions coming in is just a testament to the quality of the information that you're putting out. Um, I'm, I'm all right now. Oh, um, also asked about break clauses. So hopefully the answer that Stephanie gave um, helps um from the happy single mum po podcast how did you stay motivated during the pandemic stephanie oh hello i i, I know i know happy single mum um and oh, cool. um how to stay motivated this is a great question and it's one of the reasons why i love being in business you know i i talked about earlier before i started this i didn't really have confidence in myself um in the same way as i do now and one of the things that I loved about the pandemic is I, I was panicked like everyone else. I literally could not believe people were talking about this lockdown. I just said, it's not going to happen. There's no way yes. that the UK is going to lock down and people can't go out of their house. I just thought it's just not going to happen. It really rocked me when that happened. Um, yeah. Next um, thing, no so eggs. Next thing, no eggs, no toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit of a shock, but, then we had to just start thinking, okay, what does it mean? So it could have meant for us some big losses because uh, at the very beginning, the government said we could see that people could lose their jobs. Bars were going to be closed. Restaurants were going to be closed. A lot of other type of business were going to be closed. People would be losing their jobs. They might not be able to pay their rent. And we were going to need to fill that gap because the government had also announced nobody's to be evicted, etc. But obviously, you're not going to be putting people out in, that, in those sorts of circumstances anyway. But I thought we're going to need to fill that gap because we still need to pay the guaranteed rent for, for, for investors when they own their properties. Like we, we've got a portfolio that we own as well. We still need to pay the mortgage. So we, we could see that there was going to be a gap. So we were just looking at it and analyzing what it would mean and how we could get through it, whether we'd need to uh, return any properties, how we could look after the housemates, how we could look after the landlords. And so after we had that, you know, a bit of panic, we just thought, the only way to get through it is to communicate, uh, to communicate everything. We're not, we don't know 
all the answers. We don't know what's going to happen, same as everybody else. But we can just go to everyone and say our commitment is to, you know, deliver the absolute best we can for you. And we're going to keep you informed of everything as it comes up, discuss things with you, uh, both for the for the housemates and for the landlords. And, you know, for our team as well, who were, um, you know, everybody was worried. So I think that's why I kept up the motivation, just because we knew we had to be there. Uh, you know, we had to show up as as leaders, even though, you know, we might be frightened or uh, worried. We We had to job as leaders for for others yeah it was a very challenging time and quite surreal time as as well but um it looks like we are hopefully coming towards the end of it um at least in the next couple of months we can take two more questions from the comments and then we're going to head into the rapid fire questions um you guys are certainly putting stephanie uh through the ringer today from real talk <laughs> collective what would you say stephanie is the most challenging part of doing rent to rent? Um, I, I think it's the people. This is the bit where people struggle. It's the, it's the relationships. So for it's when any relationship breaks down. So having good relations with your landlords, having good relationships with your tenants, but also when things go wrong, how to manage it. So we've learned. I didn't know all of these things when I started out, but. We've learned to, you know, you hold the frame of, you show people who you are in how you act. So for example, a lot of people worry about having nightmare tenants and yeah. something going wrong and the tenants not wanting to move out or the tenant not paying. But what we find is that when you hold the frame, you show them who you are, which is you're professional, you're friendly, you're, you're providing an amazing service for them. And that's what you're looking for back from them. Um, so people don't like treat us the same as they treat, they could treat another landlord really badly and treat us well because the way that we deal with them is different. And I'll just give one quick tip. When people call up to complain, because usually as a letting agent, people are not calling you to say, oh, everything's going great today. I just came <laughs> home from work. My room's absolutely amazing. Thanks so much, guys. Or, you know, they're not usually calling to say that. So something's gone wrong. And what we just realized is that, first of all, you just have to listen. Because sometimes you know what the answer is before they're finished speaking. But the number one thing that people want is to feel listened to. Um, and sometimes people can be angry um, when it it's, doesn't feel justified. Because they might be letting us know for, about something for the first time. And they have been dealing with this issue for a long time, perhaps. That could, that could be a case. So they come angry. So what our job is to just listen, just listen, get the whole thing, ask them any other questions, really delve to the bottom of it until they've got nothing left to say, and then propose of, ask them how they want it fixed. That's another, that's another key thing, because often what they think is the answer is less than what you might have thought. And, yeah. then, and then propose the answer. So just simple little things like that uh, really help us to run the business easily because I think the, the most things that can go wrong are, are with relationships. Thank you. And final, I know there's been more questions in the comments, but I'm just conscious of time. And um, yeah, we, we, we do try to come to all of them, but we can only take one more, um, unfortunately. And it's from uh, Atty underscore property passion. And it's, if I take a sourced rent to rent property, what questions uh, do I need to prepare to ask for? A sourced property, great, great question this is. So what, what, what she's asking or he, sorry, what was the name of the person? Oh, let me scroll back. Sorry. <laughs> Atty underscore property passion. Okay, property passion, I call it. So um, this is a great question because what she's basically asking to me is, how do I know this property is a good deal that's going to work out for me financially? So this property yep. source has come. They've told me it's an amazing deal. I'm going to be rich with this property. Um, so what you need to be able to do is to use uh, a deal analyzer to work out all the costs of running the property and all of the income you're going to get. And then you can work out if it, if it will work. And we've got some, um, if you DM me, I will send you, there's, there's some podcasts and there's some blog posts, which are all about deal analysis, which go into a bit more detail. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, uh, 
that's that's the answer deal analysis so yes you can work it out and you should work it out because sources are trying to sell you and they're not always going to see the downside fantastic i did want to um say before do feel free to dm stephanie but i didn't want to like just like offer your time like that but uh we do have a couple um more questions in the comments we can't come come to them yeah, ho hopefully if you if you get in touch with Stephanie directly, yeah. um, she'll be able to answer them for you. Yeah. Well, now on to the rapid fire questions. Let us jump straight into them. So what has been your biggest financial achievement to date? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 I binge listen to your podcast, so I knew these questions. So I was glad that it wasn't sprung on me. Um, I really, mm -hmm. do you know what? I really love it as a podcast as well, because you would think, because it's already there, that people can mm -hmm. just listen on their earphones, even though we're on Insta. But I do love it as a podcast as well. Uh, but anyway. Um, Thank you. What's my biggest achievement financial? Um, I think it's buying our own property portfolio. And we could only do that because we took that first step, which was building up the rent-to-rent -rent business. Uh, building up that property management business gave us the confidence that we could lead, that we could refurbish properties, that we could do a good job. And that gave us the money. But the money is not the important thing, actually, because once you become confident and skilled, you know, money comes to you. And so... That's but, true. Yeah, but we had we had the money and we've been able to buy a property portfolio of our own. Um, we have 28 units at the moment, including a block of 12 flats, a block of four flats, a property that we're converting at the moment from commercial into a block of four flats. In, in, in fact, uh, it's on my Instagram um, on IGTV. You can see inside the, the, the conversion. Um, so I'm really, I'm really... Um, surprised delighted amazed that 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 we have that and i suppose my other i know i'm only supposed to have one but my other big financial achievement is that when my son was growing up i had my son when i was 18 and it was a struggle and i was on benefits for part of it and i always felt that i wasn't giving him everything that you know he deserved growing up and that i was lacking in in lots of different ways um and there's so much that i know now that i i feel um, not frustrated, but I wish I had had what I have now, uh, then, now. But anyway, life happens how it happens. But now I help, well, we didn't help him financially, but we explained him everything for buying uh, a property. He's got his, his, his own property now. He's bought his own property. He's refurbished it. And um, I'm so excited for that. He was, he's very independent. So he wanted to do it on his own with his own money and you know, we just had to respect that. Um, but I'm trying to get him to be more collaborative, accept help because, you know, <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm proud that he, he's got that. And the second thing is, and this is something that you talk about a lot, is that we've also started as a family uh, talking about it, but investing in stocks and shares. So he set up a stocks and shares yeah. ISA. So I know that he's going to create his own wealth and he's going to, go on to I'm sure invest in other properties but the gift of being able to give that information to him and seeing him start to implement it already only in a few years that we have known it um that that's one of my biggest uh, achievements that's a fantastic testimony and I think the people uh, the listeners agree um such an inspiration such an inspiration uh three gem emojis uh, from about to be Castle Hire. Um, no, that's a fantastic story. Just being able to pass it on. And it's actually, it's the knowledge and it's the information, yes. isn't it? Yes. Once you have that, you can, yes. you know, the world's a roaster. Um, next question. One, what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? You don't need a lot of money to get started. I think I had this mind block that to get started either in business or anything else, that I, A, I wasn't the right person, but that you need a lot of money, um, that there's money people and there's not money people and I'm a not money person. And I think that mindset made me lose my money. You know, I had holes in my bucket all the time. I was not collecting my money. I was not growing my money. I was not uh, intentional with my money. So I think it was, you don't need a lot of money to get started. Where you are right now is exactly the perfect place to start and to build your wealth. That's such an empowering message. 
you know, particularly when it comes to property, where it seems like there are a lot of barriers in the way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you for your answer to that. If you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win 10 million pounds, how would you allocate that money? Yeah, I love this question as well. And it's interesting to hear the different answers that people give. So I would have two million, that's like fun money. And this I would uh, do with with my family. Uh, we would, we would, you know, I'd give them some and we would spend some together having family experiences. Um, maybe we've already gone on the cruise by, by then, but uh, my mum would love to go on a, a, a really special cruise. Um, but so I would do that with them and then I would buy four properties with mortgages so I wouldn't spend so I'd be a max two million with this one of them would be a penthouse in Bristol I just really enjoyed living in Bristol I would also have one a house by a lake or a river in the country not too far from the city but with absolutely glorious green surroundings I would have yeah. a, a villa in Cascais in Portugal right up right on the right on the coast and um, a lovely uh, villa uh, in the Caribbean as, as well. Uh, so that'd be my fun, you know, playtime. And then I would also do two million into stocks and shares, but into funds. Yeah. And uh, I checked this out earlier. I went on and uh, on the compound interest calculator at 5%, let's be really conservative. That yeah. would give me over a hundred thousand pounds a year. Uh, in interest, which I could live on, but I I won't be living on that money. That money's just going to be there um, to feed into the trust, right? Uh, because my, my money's going to be coming in from actual income that's got from other passive assets, not not from that. But I just want to have that there uh, because to to grow itself for other ambitions that that I have that will go on, you know, you know, beyond me. And then I've got about six million. Then that's going to go on property investments in trust. So I want to make property for people who can't get affordable, high standard property. So, you know, as a black woman, a lot of black people are uh, discriminated against in terms of housing, even if they can afford the house or the flat or whatever, they can't get it. Or they, um, it's not just about race though, um, you know, single mums or people on benefits you know, really struggles to get affordable housing. And one of the things that I feel as a, as a black woman is that we're, we're in housing. I want to make our housing accessible to people who struggle, um, especially, you know, people like me. Uh, so, so those properties in trust, I want to have it that there's, that it continues, you know, after, after we've gone. And, um, and there's an educational aspect to it. So the people who come in, we teach them about, you know, saving investing buying their own property and help them to be able to move on uh, you know is stocks and shares investing so that all of the knowledge um that we have we can pass on to people so i i, I want to start working on on that for for part of it and then i know i've got about a million left and i would like to put some of it into experimental investing like crypto maybe not the whole million yeah. but cryptocurrency yeah. and um other other kind of uh, more less uh, more risky than types of investment and uh you know other people's businesses as well that was a super detailed answer and if you don't already have the funds i'm sure that um, all of the things you spoke about will be realized one day that's awesome um what are your i i, I guess you've um we normally ask what are your your long-term money goals but you've kind of spoken yeah. spoken to that so um, to uh, conclude rapid fire questions, I'll, I'll just ask, uh, what does success mean to you? Yeah, I, it's, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such an interesting question. I, I just want to commend you. I love these, these rapid fire questions because they're really thought provoking. Yeah, that's what I hope. <laughs> and I really enjoy hearing other people's answers. I love the, the ends of the podcasts. Um, but so for me success means living in my purpose i know that's something people say all the time but i always felt i was living so under my potential i was living so small and so so timidly and so now it's just in the last few years just come out and and so i, I feel like my purpose is to inspire people so that it's all in our minds so i always had the potential 
but I didn't believe it and I didn't do it. And so it's in other people's mind as well that if other people are thinking, oh, that's for other people or that's not for me, um, I want to be that person who inspires them. Yes, it is for you and inspires them to take the next step. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think like life is about being the best person you can possibly yeah. be because um, you, know, you, only, you only live once. You may as well, may as well go for it. Yeah. Um, been an awesome, awesome life. I feel like we've spoken about rent to rent, but I feel like there's like, you could have spoken about your own personal journey and, and covered a lot of other things there. That's the sense I get. But thank you so much for sharing your uh, expertise and just your thought and your, your thoughts and your mindset with us. Before we wrap up this conversation, um, any one you want to shout out and anything you, you want to plug? Um. If, if people have any questions, um, you can get, or if people want to know more about rent to rent, if you go to renttoventsuccess.com slash money jar, you can get a free rent to rent success guide and masterclass there. Oh, awesome. And if, if you leave a five-star review for the Mr. Money Jar podcast, um, then you can get a free copy of the book. You just screenshot your review to support at renttorentsuccess.com and we'll post a copy of the book out to you in the UK or an electronic copy if you're overseas. And I'll, I'll give you those details, Timmy. Wow, that was... Um, so we, we didn't even discuss that before, no. people. That was all, uh, all new. We've got, the promos. We've got the promos going. That's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, Stephanie. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you also for a few months ago having me on your um, Clubhouse event, which is how we uh, first met. That was really fun to do that. Thank you to everyone at home for tuning in and for taking part in the conversation, asking your questions. I know we didn't get to um, answer all of them, but Stephanie has said she's happy to be contacted. If you have any follow-up questions, We'll be back next week, Monday, at the same time with another awesome guest. So there's nothing uh, kind of left to say other than have a lovely rest of week, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.